There has been dancing in the streets outside my house. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the celebrations have begun. Everybody is super happy. We live right outside of D.C. and the streets have been flooded. Yeah, the streets are definitely talking. It just feels like everybody sent around a memo and said, this is what you do when the election results are in. How did everybody know to go outside with pots and pans? That was my thing. I was like, wait. I didn't know that. I didn't know that that was part of the celebration. Right. All I got is like a mini cowbell. Girl, why do you have that? (laughs) (laughs) Gotta have more cowbell. I'm Titi. And I'm Zakia. And from Spotify, this is Dope Labs. for a view of the world that's a bit different? Hi, I'm Jason Palmer, a host of The Weekend Intelligence, a podcast from The Economist. Join us to hear the stories that matter most to our correspondents and editors. Every Saturday, we introduce you to people and ideas that take you outside the ordinary and expand your horizons one episode at a time. Join us and see the world from a new perspective. To listen free until May 31st, search Spotify for The Weekend Intelligence. It's official. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are our new president and vice president elect. And everybody, well, maybe not everybody, is super excited. And as soon as the news broke this past Saturday, everybody just hit the streets. And when you have the excitement of the election results coupled with the upcoming holiday season, it made us really curious about why we as humans celebrate things. I think everybody went outside and made some noise. But that doesn't really align with my method of celebrating. When I celebrate, the first thing I look for is champagne. And for me, it's usually a meat lover's pizza, which is what I did to celebrate. (laughs) That was the first thing on my mind. I was like, "Mm -hmm, I'm very happy. (laughs) My friend loves a meat lover's pizza, y'all. I do. I really do. It's really interesting, this whole culture around celebration. And it couldn't come at a better time because we're right on the cusp. We're just following spooky season. Mm -hmm. And no matter what Mariah Carey tells you, the first jump from spooky season is not directly to Christmas. (laughs) Folks in my neighborhood already have up their Christmas lights. I'm like, when are we supposed to put up our wreaths and our cornucopia displays? (laughs) I wanted to get me a little eucalyptus wreath or something. Yeah, I think there's still time. There's definitely still time. Time, But the issue is, is that we are still in a pandemic. Don't forget, the pandemic isn't over just because you're over it. And a lot of people are not going to be doing the kind of traveling that they were doing in previous years. So a lot of people are opting for Friendsgiving. My friend Zakia also had a very good idea about having Friendsgiving at her place with a very select few group of people. And then everybody else can just Zoom in or Instagram live in. <laughs> That's the only way I'm going to feel okay, smoking the turkey. You know what I mean? I don't want to be out there thinking about both inhaling smoke particles and viral particles too. Like, I just it's going to be too much. But that will give me a little bit of the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Friendsgiving has been an amazing... I know we didn't create it, but it feels like it was made just for us. I know, because we love celebrating. We like celebrating everything from big things To small things. Yes. In this episode, we are talking all about celebration and the sociology behind it. 
I think it's important to really acknowledge celebrations exist across cultures. They may look different, but almost every culture has some type of celebratory uh, time or season or event. And there are some cultural universals, so behaviors uh, that or values that show up in different cultures. They might not necessarily be the same, but we see them all the time. So uh, dancing or food or rituals or different religious practices, those are cultural universals. And they're all often elements of various types of celebrations. So it can feel like celebration itself is a hallmark of human behavior. So with that being said, let's jump into the recitation. What do we know, TT? Well, we know right now there are a lot of people that are celebrating, including us. Yes. <laughs> and we also know there seems to be this gravitational pull to celebration being outside, loud, and with snacks. <laughs> <laughs> and drinks. Yes. We need libations. And I think, you know, I just want to understand what's driving us to celebrate. I think I want to know why is food always something that folks want to bring out when it's time to celebrate? Is that something that's just like, is it a cultural thing? Is it all cultures? And even beyond just us celebrating, this feels like some spontaneous celebration. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In the fall, there's that season of celebration right after spooky season, where if people celebrate Thanksgiving around that time, heading into all of the winter holidays. Mm -hmm. I feel like I can almost smell it in the air, (laughs) you know? But if I didn't grow up celebrating these holidays, would I still feel that same way? Right. Maybe it's a part of our subconscious mind to feel like we're supposed to be celebrating right now. And then I want to know, Friendsgiving is a new thing, but I don't know whose idea this was. It's a genius idea, but I want to know whose idea it was and when it got started. I think Friendsgiving is the perfect example as we start to think about celebration on a whole, right? Because you don't have to believe any one certain thing to participate in Friendsgiving. It also feels like it's a little more low stakes than some of the other holidays. Mm -hmm. You don't have to jump in and sprinkle cinnamon all over your house (laughs) if you want to participate in Friendsgiving either. (laughs) Friendsgiving feels more like a come-as-you-are celebration rather than you got to get dressed up with your auntie and uncle and answer all their annoying questions. I don't want to wear a sequin top. So I think we're ready to move into the dissection and understand more about celebration. So this dissection is a little bit different. The guest expert today Well, it's us. Welcome. I think we're professional celebrators, and I think it's a great time for us to just hold that mirror up and explore some of our own behavior around holidays. We're talking all about celebrations, and I think a great place to start would be talking about a celebration kind of like Friendsgiving, where it is a new form of celebration, and I think a lot of people are starting to do it. So let's start with the history of Friendsgiving. It's basically a spin on Thanksgiving. And when we look back at Thanksgiving, it's basically a big feast. And so your want for a meat lover's pizza, (laughs) my want for a mimosa, that's gathering around food. And that's not new. Almost all cultures are considered kind of cultures of celebration. And Thanksgiving was centered on the fall harvest, similar to how we talked about cuffing season and having babies with the spring harvest. Mm -hmm. It's kind of this cyclical or seasonal celebration. Mm, Okay. And so it's best to have a feast, which is like a large meal, and it's usually 
uh, outrageous amounts of food compared to what you would normally have day to day. It's going to be pretty hard to do that if you don't have a season of harvest, if you don't have a lot of stuff to choose from. And you know what I like is that when you look up the definition of feast, it's a verb and it means to eat and drink sumptuously. I like that word, sumptuously. <laughs> <laughs> I'm start using that. So when we started to think about Friendsgiving, this is kind of new. Like you said, it's been on the rise. If you look at Google Trends and they show, you know, that little graph of how often different terms are searched, it doesn't make its first kind of big blip until like 2010. And then you just see every year around November, it just peaks up. Mm -hmm. And so it's been on the rise since like the 2010. If you think about 2007 to 2010, the economy trying to make a comeback. Mm -hmm. Millennials were one of the first generations to move really far away from home. Mm -hmm. So can you even afford to get back home? I remember being in undergrad and before we would go home for Thanksgiving break, me and my friends one year got together and had like a little Thanksgiving because we were like, oh, you know, we're thankful for each other. We should all get together and do something. So I think it also was something where folks wanted to celebrate Thanksgiving with their friends before having to go home and celebrate with their families. And that makes me think also there's something that we kind of borrow from LGBTQ culture, which is your chosen family. Mm, Yeah. These people you choose and who have chosen you in return. So even if you don't have great relationships with your blood relatives, right, you have this family who you are super grateful for and you want to celebrate with them. So you create this occasion to do that. I love that, Z. And so I think we're almost talking about Friendsgiving. And when we think about the evolution of it, some of it may be out of necessity. So if you can't afford to travel home or if you have to do a potluck style dinner because do you know how much a turkey costs? Turkeys are expensive. I will never purchase a turkey. Write that in stone. I will never purchase a turkey. (laughs) So when you consider those things and then these other kind of emotional pools where you want to acknowledge these people who have supported you year round and who have helped you grow, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you kind of have these converging factors that drive this new holiday. We're redefining family. We are. And we're also dignifying friendship. Absolutely. We talked about that in the What About Your Friends episode. Like, we need to be giving our friendships way more weight than we give them. Like, our friends are so important to our lives. Mm -hmm. And I think if you understand that, then you got to have a celebration. Yes. This is the BET Awards of Friendship. Okay, the Emmys of friendship, the Grammys of friendship. That's what Friendsgiving is. I need to find a dress. Roll out the red carpet for the people you love. So as we mentioned before, we're looking at celebration through the lens of sociology. Sociology is the study of society, and that's the big umbrella. So that can be the development, the structure of a society, or how it functions. And you can also talk about, like, social relationships and institutions. So when we're talking about the sociology of celebration, we're talking about how we behave cross-culturally when a celebration occurs, whether it's planned or spontaneous. When we tried to figure out some clues to help us characterize why we behave like this, why we enjoy celebration, and sometimes why we celebrate too much. We came across the Journal of Comparative Research in Anthropology and Sociology. They had a whole issue on celebration. And these two authors, Rusu and Cantola, laid out this great kind of way to navigate through celebration. If you think about celebration as a map, on most maps you have a north, south, east, and west. Those are four coordinates. They give us three coordinates, temporality, spatiality, and sociality. Okay, so let's get into it. So let's talk about temporality. 
And this is all about time. So when we think about time as it relates to celebration, celebrations are these disruptions in our day-to-day. I can remember as a kid, somebody's birthday party happening on a Saturday, that was an anomaly, right? Yeah. We were going to eat cake. We were going to do all these things that we did not normally do on Saturday. Chuck E. Cheese had the best pizza. Pizza is your celebration food. It really is. And it probably started with Chuck E. Cheese. But you almost find that when we think about these celebrations that are rooted in time, so religious holidays, they almost pattern our day-to-day. So if you think about our year going along in a circle, every time we hit March or April, There are some spring celebrations. Mm -hmm. Every time around the summer, there's Juneteenth or Fourth of July, whatever you celebrate, right? There's these things in every year when you come around, they almost pattern what our cycle of time looks like because they're a disruption every time over and over again. Every year at the same time, right. And so it's interesting. We can think of these celebrations as helping us shift from the monotony of this day-to-day kind of punch in, punch out, clock in, clock out. They add some excitement to our day-to-day lives. And it gives us something to look forward to, right? Yes. (laughs) And it feels a little crazy, right? Because you're saying, oh, we pattern time with these celebrations and they disrupt time. So if they disrupt time at the same time, all the time, aren't they a pattern too? It's too much for my brain. It's like we're going into Inception. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I saw something else that was really interesting. And it talked about these two Greek words related to Greek mythology about time. So there was Kronos and Kairos. You can think of Kronos as representing the godly personification, is what this text says, of linear, never-ending quantitative time. So for me, Kronos is the clock. And we can think of chronological order, right? Linear time. Right. But Kairos is a little bit different. Kairos is like, I'm just going off the vibes, (laughs) right? And for me, that is what celebration time is like. You know the vibe. When we're celebrating, just show up when it's time. Do you remember that time we had a party and our friend Sean said she was going to bring hamburger buns and she showed up so late? Oh my gosh. And she showed up late. I was like, okay, well, you're bringing a critical element because we're grilling out and we have burgers and hot dogs and you were in charge of the the vehicle buns for those meats. Sean showing up when she felt like it was time to show up, for me, that's Kairos, right? (laughs) It's no real, what is the hour? What is time? It's when the party starts. And I am a firm proponent of Kairos when it comes to when a celebration ends. The party is over when we're dead. So the next element of the coordinates of celebration is spatiality. And that's all about where's the party at. Along with our routinized celebrations, this usually happens at a certain place, right? So if you're celebrating Passover, maybe you go to a Seder at your grandmother's house every year. Or maybe if you're celebrating Eid, you go to your uncle's house every year and that's where all of that celebrating happens. But it happens in the same place. And so in your mind, as soon as you walk through those doors, you're like, okay, it's time to celebrate. For me and my family, it would alternate every year. For Thanksgiving, we would alternate between my Uncle Jacob and Aunt Rachel's house. Then it would be at my house, so my parents would host Thanksgiving. And so we would just go back and forth and back and forth. And I think that's because my dad is the oldest of eight siblings. And then my Uncle Jacob is his younger brother. He was right behind him. So they're kind of like the heads of the family. And so we just alternate between those two. It was always so much fun seeing all of my cousins and aunts and uncles and everything like that all in one place. What about you, Z? I think for major holidays like Christmas, Thanksgiving, 
When we celebrated those growing up, we always went to my grandma's house. So my mom's mom. The drive down there, I remember it would be like so excited to go there. It was like an hour or so away from where we lived in Greensboro. And it was just a thing, right? You were just bubbling with excitement. Now we went there every other weekend (laughs) that wasn't a holiday. But it just hit different. Right now, it would have been like homecoming season. I can remember A&T homecoming. All right. Jiho, greatest homecoming on earth. I didn't even go to A&T, but I grew up in the city where it was. So I felt like A&T's homecoming was always like another big holiday. People would come because a lot of my family members went there. So you would see family. It was like a mini Thanksgiving before Thanksgiving. And we would go to my great aunt, my aunt Lena, we would go to her house. And so it's just interesting how as soon as we started talking about celebrations, I can pinpoint these different places for different celebrations. Yeah. So I guess we can zoom out a little bit. So it's like not even just specific for your family, but even like culturally as Americans, like when we think about celebrating New Year's Eve, we think of the ball dropping in Times Square. We might not necessarily be there, but it's just so iconic and ingrained into our minds that we think of that when we think of New Year's Eve. The spatiality aspect is really interesting because it can be a whole city. Mm-hmm. You know, like when we think about Mardi Gras in New Orleans and when we think about running of the bulls, there are these places where these celebrations occur and it can be broad like that, but it can also be really specific. So right, if you normally eat in your kitchen or your living room, but for big holidays, you guys all gather around a dining table and you use that special furniture. <laughs> the special plates. Yeah. The napkins. that's a spatial cue, right? Is almost reminiscent of some religious ceremonies and celebrations that happen in these sacred spaces or sanctuaries, right? And we're almost replicating that. There's something ritualistic about a lot of our celebrations anyway. And so here we see it appearing again. Yeah, and then even if there isn't a special place for whatever you're trying to celebrate, we convert our existing spaces into a space for celebration. Absolutely. And that is literally what folks did for Friendsgiving. So we've touched temporality, which is time, spatiality, which is where are you? And now we're hitting sociality, which is how does it feel? It's the social aspect. So the togetherness, uh, you kind of dropping those barriers. It's the vibes. It's really interesting because when you have a holiday, you got your core group of people that you always normally see, but then you always have some stragglers. You got that one cousin who shows up for Easter. You're like, we haven't seen them all year. Right. Or you have that aunt or uncle that you don't really deal with like that, but (laughs) you're going to keep it cute for the holiday. (laughs) Right. I think it's really interesting, even on a broader scale, even if you just zoom out, we can almost consider this as people being in the holiday spirit or having some holiday cheer. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. It almost feels like community level or group level, we're all extending a little bit more grace. Yes, worldwide vibes. And no one is supposed to be coming in and killing the vibe. And so sociality, I think, is key to a good celebration. But I think it's important to highlight sociality can go either way because that sense of community You can either leverage it and make everybody feel equal. You can bring everybody in. And this really depends on your holiday. Because if you have a holiday that is built on power dynamics and access to certain things, it can also isolate too. So you want to be aware of that. Mm -hmm. When you build in your Friendsgiving, are you saying everybody got to bring a bottle of Ace of Spades? 
everybody can't do that. I won't be there. (laughs) And some folks don't drink. Right. And so those are all the things to think about. You know, I had to really question my cookout style. Over the past couple of years, I've had more and more vegetarian friends. Oh. And I said, what do you have to offer them? Is it a celebration if they can only have a potato? It's not. Oh my goodness. Yes, this happened to me because me and Jimmy do a holiday like dinner every year. And two dinners ago, so not the last one we did, but the one before that, we had some friends that showed up and I knew that they were vegetarian. So we tried to have some vegetarian options, but one was vegan and that just eliminated all options. There was literally nothing for them to eat. And I was mortified. I was messing up the sociality of my dinner party. I was killing the vibes for my vegan friends. But I know that they knew You meant well. They were good sports. I was crying into my ham. The queen of the ham was having a bad night. (laughs) That just takes us to the next point about what happens when celebrations and the expectations around them get really high and they can add on a lot of pressure. But we're not going to talk about it just yet. We're about to take a break. And when we come back, we'll jump right into the case for scaling back on celebrations. I know it seems a little counterintuitive. And how we'll continue to celebrate even when we can't be together. We're back, and now we're going to jump into the case for scaling back on celebrations. We have already talked in great detail about how we love to celebrate, but in some cases, some you you kind of have to just fall back a little bit and chill. I think we have to make some points really clear. When we say we like to celebrate, we don't mean every time we have to take things to the top. I mean, we like to find the celebratory moments, even in the small things, right? So it's like, mm, this Dr. Pepper has all the fizz. It's a party, you know? Like, <laughs> it's all the little things, the little stuff when it happens, things go the way you want. Mm-hmm. Or even when things don't, that's the time to really celebrate that we're just here and making it, okay? Yes. I remember one time when we were in grad school and I baked a batch of cookies and I took some to Zakia's lab and she loved it. It was a celebration. Really? For nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I love that kind of stuff. You know, I think we just need more moments of joy for ourselves. Right. Because if we are relying on it externally, the external world will fail you. We see that. We had all of 2020 and look at what it did. I'm so ashamed of 2020. I don't even want to talk about it. Right. You got to celebrate life while you still got it. That's right. But I think some people take it to the extreme on the other part, right? It's not a party unless there are custom name cards for everybody, streamers hanging down, a minor explosion, (laughs) pyrotechnics. And I'm just like, no, 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 we don't need that (laughs) for a birthday. For the first birthday, you know, you know. They won't even remember this. Right. Exactly. I think we've seen, even this year, some issues with some celebrations that went a little bit over the top, like the gender reveals that started wildfires in California and Arizona. Yeah. You want us to know what genitalia your child has, and then you're going to burn down half the state? I think that's a little excessive, right? It is. It is. I think there's also a whole culture around celebrations. Some of this feels like, 
I look at Pinterest. I say, Pinterest, you're giving people way too many ideas. My friend, her cousin was having a baby and she made a whole cake out of diapers. She was like, I have to find the right lace to tie around these diapers. I have to find the right ribbon and trimming. It was a safari style thing and she needed to find all these animals and glue them on. And I was like, girl, this feels more stressful than anything. But it was a labor of love for her. I remember this. But I think social media is also a driver because, honey, people start posting. Yes, doing it for the gram. I'm just trying to do it for me. So another reason why people might be celebrating a lot could be because of this whole idea of globalization. A lot of people are starting to live farther and farther apart from each other because of the way technology is. We have the ability to stay in contact with people literally all over the world. Yes. The cultures are blending, so we have a lot more multicultural families. And social media is at the wheel of this bus. We are over-celebrating and over-sharing and doing all of the extra things. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how this season of celebration plays out. With first, everybody sharing on social media. With second, everybody supposed to be quarantining (laughs) up until now. Right. (laughs) Y'all supposed to be social distancing. I'm interested to see how all these factors come together during this season of celebration. It's a unique time. And let me tell you something, baby. I'm Zooming, okay? I'm Zooming with y'all. And don't Zoom by my house, especially not unannounced. Yes, we are talking about the web conferencing software. (laughs) Do not Zoom here. (laughs) I'm all about togetherness, but let's be together virtually. Be together apart. (laughs) This year, I'm going to do a Friendsgiving with a few people who have been in their homes nonstop and who are just as diligent about coronavirus safety protocols as I am. And then I'm Zooming with everybody else. They can also have the same thing we're having here. I'm going to be sharing my recipes. Yes. All of it. And I will be eating. Yes. (laughs) So that's all I bring to the table. This is the reason why I've been so diligent over the last however many months we've been social distancing, because I knew this time would come. I knew that folks would mess this up for all of us and we would not be doing the normal fall time celebrations and that Friendsgiving would be affected. And I knew that my friend would still be cooking. And I know me. I want that food. So I said, sacrifice now so you can enjoy the spoils later. (laughs) I want to hear from everybody else, though. What are you guys doing over the holiday season? What are your plans? Are you Zooming with people? Invite us if you are doing an Instagram Live. We want to see how you prep. I love to see people do their meal preps and get ready. Oh, I just, I learned so much. So on the Spotify platform right now, there's a poll where we're asking what you're going to be doing to celebrate the holidays this season. Are you staying home? Are you doing Zoom calls where you and your friends and family are eating over the internet? Or are you doing an extended bubble situation like Zakia? Let us know. Hit the poll right now. I do love all the creative things that I've seen. Halloween, I saw people doing some great stuff. I loved the engineering that came out of Halloween this year. People came up with all types of contraptions. I saw tubes where they were just sliding down the candy to the kids. I saw some catapults. It just made everything so much fun. And I saw y'all using your engineering minds, which I love. Yes, TT was standing. (laughs) I can't wait to see. Are they going to catapult sweet potato pie? What will we see for these coming holidays? You know, I'm really excited. I love that we remain resilient. 
Mm -hmm. We continue to innovate and think of different ways to leverage technology, Mm -hmm. leverage physics, Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) leverage engineering to be with one another, to be in community and share and just uplift one another. Absolutely. I think it's important. Yeah. And it's all science, honestly. Coming up with new ways to do stuff because of a new challenge is science. It is engineering. That is like the basis of all things. Coming up with solutions to new problems and sometimes old problems that you didn't even realize that you had. So I think we should all be excited about the possibilities about what this holiday season is going to look like and get ready to celebrate. Check out our website, our show notes for this lab to read more about the research that drove the ideas we brought to you from Rusu and Kentola and to learn more about the sociology of celebration. On our website, you can find a cheat sheet for today's lab, along with a ton of other links and resources in the show notes. And if you want to stay in the know with Dope Labs, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter on our site, too. Also, we love hearing from you. What did you think about today's lab? Do you have ideas for future labs? Call us at 202-567-7028 and let us know. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Dope Labs Podcast. TT is on Twitter at DR underscore T-S-H-O. And you can find Zakia at Z Said So. Follow us on Spotify or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Dope Labs is produced by Jenny Radlett-Mast and Lydia Smith of Wave Runner Studios. Mixing and sound design are by Hannes Brown. Our theme music is by Taka Yasuzawa and Alex Sugiura, with additional music by Elijah LX Harvey. Dope Labs is a production of Spotify and Mega O Media Group. And it's executive produced by us, Titi Shodia and Zakia Watley. I have a video from our last Friendsgiving of us doing the electric slide. No! <laughs> was I doing it? <laughs> I think you were in the kitchen, but Jimmy was definitely doing it with us. Of course, Jimmy was doing it. <laughs>